Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Rala De Koroye Emanancho, the Society of Women Engineers African-American Affinity Group Lead. And today you're welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. All right. So this is in honor of Black History Month, and we're bringing to you phenomenal Black women in STEM. And there's so much to learn So today I have a special guest with me. Kanika Tova is the CEO and founder of Career Rehab LLC in Washington, D.C., where she helps clients transform their careers with coaching programs, events, webinars, and digital resources to help people reach their career goals. An in-demand coach, consultant, speaker, and thought leader, and let me add their author as well. (laughs) She has been featured on CNN, CNBC, CBS Radio, Yahoo, Black Enterprise, Glassdoor, and Entrepreneur.com, The Washington Post, and a variety of radio interviews and podcasts. Kanika is the author of the acclaimed title, Career Rehab, Rebuild Your Personal Brand and Rethink the Way You Work. Kanika is also a STEM professional, and we would definitely like to hear more about that. You're welcome to the show, Kanika. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, Korea, t- uh, Kanika, tell us about your foray into STEM. How did you get into a STEM career and then um, branch off or add coaching to your resume and to what you do? So, I have over 15 years of experience in the technology industry. My experience started off primarily working in the federal government as a SaaS developer and as a .NET developer. And I really enjoyed development and coding in the beginning of my career. Um, I was fresh out of college and I really was focusing on learning how to program and code. I worked for the Department of Labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, where I was primarily focusing on helping produce different um, production data um, for the Bureau of Labor of Statistics. And that's where I found my passion and love for, for STEM and for technology. As I moved up very fast within my career, I decided to move into tech, into project management. So I started to move into project management. And that's where I started to lead software development teams at, a, at a many different agencies throughout the federal government. Um, I left the federal government in 2014 and I rebranded myself and I went into private sector. I went to work for Fortune 500 consultant companies like Deloitte and many other um, tech companies where I focused in on being a project manager and helping build websites, 
internal applications for a lot of other federal government clients at the time when I was in private sector. So that's kind of like my career. And then I just started career coaching <laughs> um, as I started to navigate my own career challenges. I started to help others. All right. And I kind of heard um, you tell the story a little bit and how you you just organically started helping people with their resumes and with their careers. And really, that's how it started out for you, right? What do you think is the place of coaching and career development? Um, yeah, so I started career coaching um, and I started to, my friends and family would come and ask me and help me, help me with my resume, help me with my LinkedIn profile. I was always landing jobs and I was always going on interviews and I was always getting six figure job offers, you know, before the age of 30. So a lot of my friends and family started to ask me all of these career related questions. And that's how I started to just dive into career coaching. I, I originally was hustling resumes, you know, that that's, that's kind of how I got started is just using resume writing as a side hustle. And then people started to ask me questions about salary negotiation, salary negotiation, how to deal with racism at work, um, you know, or how to get a promotion. And then that's when I say, when I told myself, I said, well, maybe I am a career coach. Maybe I'm more than just a resume writer. So that's kind of how I got into career coaching about six, seven years ago. It just was a hobby of mine to help people. And they started landing jobs. So then I started to like create a, an official business behind it. So have you noticed something? Because I think I, I've noticed this, right? So people in IT um, fields or STEM fields, they typically don't take advantage of coaching as much as people in maybe business or education. Have you noticed that as well? Why do you think that is? I think because in the technology space, people really look at technology as being a technical skill and they don't think that they need coaching and coaching really comes into play with the soft skills um, or, you know, the business skills, the communication skills, the writing skills. So I think a lot of times people in tech think I need to know a programming language. I need to know a certain, um, you know, piece of software, or I need to be able to do something that's highly technical that I don't need to be coached. I can read a book, I can get a certification to teach me exactly what I need to know in tech to do that. And then what most people find themselves in these workplace challenges or in these certain challenges where they're stuck at a job or they're stuck within their career. And then they figure out like, oh, maybe I need other things like personal branding to help me go to the next level within my field. That's so true. That's so true. And, you know, just meeting you and finding out that, oh, wow, she's an IT professional. So she's not someone who went to school for what? coaching or <laughs> career development or education. This is someone who's walked in your shoes. This is someone who is still walking in your shoes. So let, let me ask you, how has writing the book Career Rehab, because I know that where you can't be, career rehab can be, and people can get to learn what you actually talk about, what you actually preach when it comes to career development. So can you say what's the impact of that book and why did you write the book Career Rehab? So I wrote Career Rehab because I basically was rehabbing my career at one time and I was leaving the federal government to go into private sector. So I needed a facelift. I needed to revamp my technology experience because my experience experience that was applicable for the federal government 
was it needed to align with private sectors um skill sets and knowledge and 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 experience so for me career rehab started with me first i was the first person that went into career rehab and career rehab is all about checking yourself um into a place where you are gutting out the things that are not working and putting in the things that's really going to work for you the same way we rehab a house or we rehab our kitchen our bathroom sometimes our career needs a renovation. So career rehab has helped many people understand how to look at themselves like a brand and not an employee, like shifting their mindset, shifting their mindset from having an employee mindset to having a branding mindset. It has helped me and helped my clients learn how to build their brand by dating jobs. And when I mean dating jobs, I'm not saying they should job hop from different organizations, but they should be dating jobs and they should be having career relationships with jobs that's going to help them with their skill sets, their experience, that's going to help them expand their network. But it's, but it's also going to pay them more money. So when we're in relationships with jobs, we're pretty much friends with benefits. We're looking at what can the job do for me? And when we look at what the job can do for us in each relationship that, we, that we're that we in with the job, we're taking that experience and that knowledge to the next relationship so we can negotiate for um, a higher salary or maybe a higher job title. I love what you said about (laughs) dating jobs, because the first time I kind of heard you say that, I was like, hey, I haven't heard that before. That sounds really interesting. So let me ask you, what do you what do you mean? So there's someone listening to us now. Maybe she's a um, she just graduated college or she's in her first entry level job and she's wondering, like, Anika, I don't see the path for me in this organization or how can I ever make it to the top? Um, ambitious, I have dreams, I have goals, but I don't see the path there. What would you say to that person with your using your advice from the book or just from your experience? I would say you have to become the architect of your career. You have to sit back and really zero in and what do you really want? And I think before people should just make that expectation on the employer, they should ask themselves, what do they want? And they should be getting a journal and they should be sketching out what do they want their career to look like and aligning their goals with actionable tasks or things that could help them reach their goals. So if they want to be a certified professional in AWS, as an example, they want to become a solution architect, then they need to be creating a, a path, a learning path that's going to uh, that's going to help them reach that goal. They should also be making sure that they are aligning their goals, their career goals with organizations that support those goals. So if they decide that they want to move up in an organization, they should be making sure that that organization offers the types of um, services and projects and deliverables that aligns with their end goals. Instead of taking job for the sake of taking a job, we should be very strategic in how we pick a job. So if our path is going to be in cloud or it's going to be in network administration, we need to be making sure that we're working in organizations that actually are working on those type of technologies. And the last thing, you know, is that we need to build our network. 
You know, we have to network for our our future and not our past. Mm -hmm. Because if we want to acquire new skill sets and get new certifications and learn new things, we are still going to need people to support us. We are going to need to connect with like-minded mentors and sponsors and other people that have already conquered the career goals that we have. If they've made it to the top, we need to be making sure that we're connecting with those type of people at work and on LinkedIn so we can learn from them and they can actually show us, you know, the shortcut versus us having to go that path Do alone. it all over again. Yeah. And something interesting that you start out with is talking about job security, right? The age of job security is dead, really. Uh, most of the private companies don't have um, pension plans or anything like that. So I hear you on that. And per personal brands specifically, I want to ask you what you say about ads. I really love that acronym. Like you said, accomplish dominating success. That was so good. <laughs> so how, <laughs> how can people be ads? Because many times people don't think they should go to LinkedIn till they're looking for a job, right? How can people just maintain that ads, even though they're not necessarily looking for a job, but even within their own company, right? And just in the industry, they want to establish a brand. What would you advise? So the best way to look at yourself like an, like ads and the best way to accomplish dominating success is to go outside of just having a resume and a LinkedIn profile. I think it's very important in this digital age to develop a personal brand that encompasses that encompasses things like creating other things that's going to help you stand out. So when I say the other things that's going to help you stand out, some of the examples that I do and my clients have done is creating an ebook that is very relatable to their industry. So if you're a data scientist and you want to write a day, write a book about data science, then you can write your own book. You can publish your own book. You can have a blog. You could write articles um, for your own blog. or You write articles for a high profile website around technology and you can remarket that on social media because people are going to look at you as an expert, as a thought leader, as an author, when you are writing content around what you're knowledgeable about. A lot of times people don't reuse this content. They can republish it and remarket it on LinkedIn and recruiters can get to see that, that they're doing something outside of just having a resume and a LinkedIn profile. Some other examples that my clients and even myself is having a YouTube channel. You could have, you know, video content around different things in STEM. You can invite guests on your YouTube channel and you can you can interview them and and you can pretty go deeper than just what you do at work. If you want to show up at work and you want to market yourself like an ad at work, it's just so important to stand up and do briefings and presentations and to volunteer to um, do things outside of your job description so you can be seen beyond your cubicle or beyond, you know, working virtually from home. So you, you can't just do what do what's in your job description, you have to go outside of that and you have to market yourself at work through showing up in a different way than everyone else is showing up. Absolutely love that. We have to show up. And the truth is, it's it's not about being someone else. It's just about being more of yourself, showing more of yourself, right? And that brings me to who we are. We are two Black women in STEM. 
we know that the numbers aren't exactly increasing. And we know that we, we within our community are working on outreach to the younger ones to join STEM fields. I see you on Twitter <laughs> talking about different IT um, qualifications people can do and um, get in these fields. How important is it for us to have representation in STEM? It's very important because we actually work in organizations where we are building digital products and services that um, people are using. And we need to be a part of the product development of those applications, those apps, those different digital products and services, because we need to make sure that we are putting our own secret sauce, our own touch on it, because a lot of the things that we do in tech is consumer based and we can't just allow one race or a, or a very small percentage of us to 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 not to to only play a part in that. So I think it's very important for us to make sure that we always participate in STEM in a way that is going to benefit the end product and service that we're building for the public or for the world. Because we only have one view of only white men or Asian men only the ones that are the engineers or they're the only ones that are the developers or they're the only ones that are actually testing these products. That means our representation is being missed out Mm -hmm. when the end consumer purchases that iPhone or purchases that app or downloads that app. So it's very important for us to look at it from not just, we want to be represented because we want to hold a place at the table. We, we, we definitely want to, want to have successful careers, but we also want to make sure that representation is there for the end user who's consuming the technology that we are building. And we can say that a black woman participating in building that and in deploying that and putting that out there into the world for all people to consume. I love that so much. You know, something that you mentioned there just made me think about you know, my face can't be recognized by many of the apps we have out there. I mean, like if I'm trying to use a filter or if I'm trying to, you know, because I'm I'm really melanated. <laughs> I'm really, really dark skinned. So you would just notice that this filter really can't hold when I hold um, the phone to my face and try to use it. So that just kind of lets you know that the spectrum of all shades of skin weren't represented on some of those things. And who knows if someone as dark skinned as me were on that project, we could have, you know, have that. So that that's something worthwhile. Agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. But then somebody else might say, Kanika, you know, it's really difficult being the only, it's really difficult being one of the few people. I'm trying to make a difference, but it's really hard over here, the culture and many other things. So Tell me about working while Black and what kind of advice do you give to people? Stay, leave, cope? What would you say? Um, I think that I'm not a big fan of telling people to stay in organizations that are toxic or that are mistreating them. I'm more of a fan of telling people to develop a checklist of the things that they want out of an organization. And as they're trying to go and date another job, that they have their own checklist. The same way you have a checklist when you meet somebody that you're trying to date or marry you, there are things and there are characteristics and there are things that you're looking to get out of that relationship from that person and their, their physical attributes and their experiences that you want to have with that person. And I think it's important that when you're a black person in STEM is that you need to be making sure that you are 
making sure you're validating and vetting the organization before you commit to it. So you don't find yourself in situations that feel uncomfortable. And um, it's not about associating yourselves with the big brands, you can still have a great career with companies that are smaller smaller name companies or nonprofit organizations or federal government organizations. I think that I feel like this is just my personal opinion that black people are they they want to be they want to work for the big name Fortune 500 tech companies, but the Fortune 500 tech tech companies don't really want them there. So why sell yourself out by trying to work for these big companies that really have never made it a true initiative to hire a lot of people that look like you? You're setting yourself up to get hurt within the workplace. So it's important to use Glassdoor. It's important to interview other people that look like you, that work at the company that you desire to work for, to make sure that the experience that you're expecting, you're going to get. I love that. I love that. You know, these days I tell people, especially when they go to career fairs, you can ask them as many questions as they ask you, if not more, to see if, you know, you'll be a good fit instead of just being grateful because we are grateful people. Like typically any any um, opportunity you get, you almost feel like, oh, I, I don't deserve it. I should be grateful, you know, but yeah, you deserve it. And you're no, they it. should be grateful to have you, you know, they should be great. They should be grateful to have you. So I don't have that mindset. Um, it's not trying to be arrogant or cocky. It's just that I know mm-hmm. my worth and I'm, I want to get the money, power and respect at work. And I know that I'm bringing something to the table and I'm expecting them to bring something to the table. And that's the money, power, and respect Love that they it. need to give me um, and treating me fairly and compensating me correctly. In fact, you mentioned the money. We can't leave here without talking about the money, right? You talk extensively about um, negotiating salaries, benefits, bonuses, many different things. And you even refer to, you know, sportsmen, actors, actresses. Every time there's a new season, they start bargaining, right? Right. So what is it? Why is it that we don't do it? And how can we do it more effectively and, you know, come to take it as a way of life, as a as a given so that it doesn't seem like, oh, I'm doing something super strange. I mean, it goes back to you, what you said earlier. We are just overly grateful just, to, just because we got a job offer, um, but we are not annually looking at, um, should we be getting more money every 12 months? So it's important to do it the same way celebrities and actors do it because cost of living goes up um, every year. Um, So if you feel like you are doing more work than what you originally signed up for, it's time to reevaluate, you know, should you be getting an extra amount of money annually? It's important to do it because a, a lot of people stay in jobs for five, six, seven years at the same salary. And they never question whether they should get paid more money. And a lot of times we're working on teams with people that, that are, don't look like us that are making 20, 30, $40,000 more than we are sometimes on, on the team and maybe doing the same exact job as us. And I think it's just important to reevaluate that career relationship and to ask yourself, am I getting anything out of it by staying there and, and not reevaluating? So when you have your performance review and you're, you're doing stellar work and you're a rock star but you're still not getting a pay increase. I think that's a conversation that needs to be had at your annual performance review 
when you're meeting with your manager, if you are definitely, you know, exceeding expectations on your performance, if they can't provide that type of um, advance for you, um, far as an, an advancement on your salary, then it's just time to look for another job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and be bold about it too. Love it. So there are many allies listening to us now who want to move the needle on racial inclusion. And what would you say to them? What is the quickest way to help? And what are just some tips they can use to um, actually walk the talk? You know, that's kind of something that I, that's not one of my biggest topics that I focus on. There's a lot of other experts that focus in on it. Um, I would just say like, you know, it's important as we build these ally relationships is that one, companies really genuinely mean what they say and not make emotional apologies, but really back up their actions with, you know, a plan and follow through. Um, The second thing is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are really excited when a black person is chosen to work in a leadership role as a diversity a chief of diversity or some C-suite, C-suite level diversity role, you know, as we build these ally relationships with companies and organizations and leadership, give them the support that they need. If they are the chief diversity officer or they are a diversity inclusion manager or they are a person that is going to be leading and spearheading those type of initiatives, the company really has to genuinely give them the resources, meaning money, give them um, you know, action behind, you know, talent management and building a pipeline for more um, women in tech and also for more um, minorities within within tech. Um, but like I said, that's not my thing. Like, I, I don't I don't really. <laughs> you just I don't, sounded like a super expert just now. And you like, that's <laughs> not my thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not I mean, it's, it's not something that I talk about a lot. But for mm-hmm. me, is I coach my clients to diversify their own personal brand and portfolio. So when they have to navigate challenges, they don't got to deal with that. Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like a lot of companies are going to tell you what they're going to do. They're going to talk about Black Lives Matters. They're going to submit all these things on their about page. But when you get there, you're going to feel disappointed when you thought that what they said they was going to do, they didn't do. So you, the employer doesn't control you. You control mm-hmm. you. you. So at the yeah. end of the yeah, so at the end of the day, diverse have diverse skill sets. Um, create a very, a very inclusive network. Um, make sure that you are interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you, so you don't feel like you are not getting what you want out of an organization. Because at the end of the day, if we keep asking and they keep not providing it, um, we're going to constantly be let down. Yeah. But you can you can find organizations that won't let you down, but you're going to have to be strategic in your approach in navigating those challenges and making sure that you are finding a company that does promote diversity and inclusion. Okay. So as we're ending this interview, I just want you to talk a bit about self-care. Black women are synonymous with the word strong, tireless, magic, and all these superhuman words. So there's a woman out there chasing her career, doing excellent work and being there for everyone. What would you say to her? I would say self-care is very important and it's important to like, before you try to jump out there and have this amazing career, you need to really understand how to be a student of you and a student of your mental health because you know we've been a accustomed to just getting college degrees and getting certifications and getting experience and working a job 
50 hours a week, 60 hours a week and thinking that's normal. It's not normal at all. Um, so I would say first is you have to realize how to reverse your stress into success. And when you reverse your stress into success is you are prioritizing yourself in a way that you're going to eat healthy foods. You're going to exercise. You're going to get good sleep. You're going to make sure that you communicate with your family and friends when things aren't well with you. And it's perfectly okay if you are not feeling well, because we are human beings. We are mothers. We are daughters. We are wives. We have a job and careers and businesses. And it's important to figure out how do I reverse my stress into success? into success by creating a lifestyle that is going to help me win. The next thing is we have to focus in on turning our anxiety into accomplishments. And you you have to focus in on figuring out a way to take that anxious energy and figuring out how can you accomplish something for your personal life, for your health, or for your career. If you're anxious about not really having a good job or you're anxious about not liking your job or you're unemployed, turn that energy into taking training, expanding your network, updating your resume, updating your LinkedIn profile. When we're anxious, we're normally anxious and scared about the unknown. But what we can do is we can control that by figuring out how can I add more value to my future by doing something that's going to take me to the next level and to reduce my anxiety. You'll feel more better about yourself when you are saying, I'm doing something about what I'm scared about. I'm doing something about what I'm fearful about and I'm putting in work to make sure that I can take care of that. And the more work I put into it, the more things are going to happen for me. So I think those are the things that I would definitely say is important is to reverse your stress into success, to turn your anxiety into accomplishments. And the last thing is to dominate your depression. We all deal with grief. We all deal with loss. We all deal with heartbreak, with relationships, with people, right? And a lot of times when we are dealing with those things, um, or we dealing with things that are happening at work, we become depressed about it. We become depressed about losing a loved one um, to death, or um, women get divorced, or they break up with their boyfriend. Or even COVID, or, right? Or even just dealing with COVID. It is very depressing. But we have to make sure that we're dominating, dominating our depression by meditating, by prayer, by whatever your faith is, is focusing in on your faith and getting deep into your your religion and also making sure that you are dominating your depression by seeing a therapist if you need to. Um, yes. I'm a big fan of therapy. I'm a big fan of doing virtual therapy appointments. If you are dealing with stress, anxiety, or depression, I'm a big fan of um, making sure that you take care of yourself by getting seeking professional help. Love it, love it. Thank you so much. All of that, that, that was just like your love notes to all women engineers <laughs> out there. <laughs> so I absolutely love that. So it's Black yes. History Month. <laughs> I couldn't leave here without asking you who your favorite historical figure, figure is in the Black community. Mm, that's very difficult. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my favorite person is my mother. Oh, love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there there's a, a lot too many amazing people that are famous that are influencers <laughs> to, to name, right? Um and I guess I don't idolize 
them as much as other people do. Um, and then I think that there are regular, ordinary people that yeah. we all know mm-hmm. we, that we all know that promotes Black History Month all year long. That does something for the community. That does something for their family. So for me, I think it's important to. Um, I have a very good relationship with my mother, and I think that you know. I wouldn't be the woman that I am today if it wasn't for my mother instilling good work ethic, um, good basic principles about um, being kind and developing relationships and even, you know, even focusing on taking care of myself, like the things that we just talked about. So I think it's important to give kudos to the person that birthed me, because if she didn't birth me, I wouldn't be able to, to no, birth my wouldn't. dreams and, and my my passions and my book. And I wouldn't be able to help people um, the way that she has helped me. All right, Kanika, this has been just a wealth of information. And you guys, I'm sure you're taking notes even as you're listening, because there's so many, it's almost like a masterclass, right? There's so many actionable (laughs) points that you, that you gave us. So definitely appreciate you being here. And just a word, if you're thinking of um, completing your degree in information technology, computer science, um, engineering, I want you to hang in there and follow through. I know it's easy to drop out, but follow through on it because there's a world out there waiting for you. You don't even have to sit behind a computer the rest of your career. I even told someone, you don't even have to like math. I know many engineers who whip out a calculator just to add numbers, right, at the grocery (laughs) stores. (laughs) Yeah, and that's another thing that scares a lot of people. They don't want to go into STEM roles because it's a lot of math. But I think it's important to understand that there's so many avenues and streets mm-hmm. and, and different highways and byways within this industry that you can go down. I think finding your lane and, and developing your personal brand in the lane that you thrive in is going to definitely help you succeed. You just have to focus on staying f- focused on what's good for you and not look at someone else's lane because a lot of times we jump on the bandwagon and we want to do careers and take roles and do certifications because that's what someone else is good at. And that's not necessarily what we're good at. So it's important to thrive in what makes you happy every day. Love it. So where can people find you, um, Kanika? On the in the media virtual world. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can find me online. I'm on all social media platforms. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube at Kanika Tover. So my handles are all the same on all social media platforms. You can find me at my website at KanikaTover.com. You can find my book Career Rehab on Amazon.com. Any major book retailers like Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, Target, Carrie's Career Rehab. And, you know, I look forward to connecting with with everyone online. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us this Black History Month. And we appreciate all the nuggets that you've dropped for us and sharing your story with us. So again, I'm Bralade. And for all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.